LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? From the nature of reality to the future of humanity. Beyond politics, poverty and war. LegalizeFreedom.com Greetings and welcome once again to LegalizeFreedom.com Why are we here? Where do we come from? Where are we going? These are the eternal questions which have forever faced mankind and to which we still do not have answers. And that, my friends, is what this is all about. I'm your host, Greg Moffat, and my guest today is Helen Sewell. Uh, Helen is a fully qualified professional astrologer with 25 years experience. Uh, she first became interested in astrology through reading books on the sun signs when she was a teenager, and it was then that she realised there was a definite correlation between what she read and the characteristics she could recognise in the people she knew. Um, as her astrological reading broadened, Liz Green became her favourite author, and she then decided to take the opportunity to train under her guidance at the Centre for Psychological Astrology at Regent's College in London. After four years, Helen attained the Diploma in Psychological Astrology and went on to set up a private practice. After meeting the author Jeff Stray in 2002 and reading his book Beyond 2012, Helen has been looking at the astrological significance of this time and has reached some very interesting conclusions. Uh, she's written and spoken about her findings and has given many interviews such as the one you're about to hear. In recent years, Helen has also become interested in the bigger cycles of the outer planets and how they affect individuals, countries and society at large. Her website is astrologicalinsights.co.uk. Hello and welcome Helen. And thank you very much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. That's a pleasure, Greg. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Excellent. Uh, well, now we're here today to discuss um, astrology, uh, your work as an astrologer. And we're going to talk a great deal about the astrology of 2012, um, a very significant time that we're at the heart of right now. And of course, the, the key date in 2012, uh, December the 21st fast approaching but before we get into all that um mm. if we just assume that most of the people if not all of the people listening to this realize that when we say astrology we're not talking about russell grant and mystic meg and you're going to meet a tall dark stranger and the sort of thing that you get in the tabloid press uh, so we have that as a given on yeah. your website you talk about your approach as psychological astrology and it seems that you came to astrology uh, through psychology. So perhaps you could tell us about your introduction to astrology, uh, your past before that, uh, how you got to where you are now, and basically set out psycholo psychological astrology, what that is for us. Yeah, sure. Well, basically, I think that um, my interest, I, I, I could pretty much trace it back to uh, when I was seven and my dad took me to Jodrell Bank, you know, the big radio telescope in nice. And uh, we went into the room and, and there I saw the whole universe and, and the solar system and 
I was just blown away by it. I, I thought it was amazing. And I bought my Ladybird Book of the Stars. Um, and I guess that was just a sort of a, a fascination in the planets dating back from then. But then when I got into my teenage years, and I bought my Linda Goodman's Sun Signs, and, and I began to realize that, yeah, yeah, I can really connect with this. So um, then I did various evening classes in my early 20s, and then um, and I used to start doing uh, charts for family and friends and that kind of thing. And the more I studied it, the more I realized what an amazing tool it is. And then I thought uh, my, my um, greatest author, if you like, is, is Liz Green. And I read all of her books. Uh, she's a psychological astrologer. And I very much uh, was, uh, had a great big interest in the, in the fact that, say, Carl Jung used astrology with, um, to give him insights into his patient's psyche. And to me, it did seem to be like the best map of the psyche that we've got. It gives the most incredible amount of information about each individual, which is represented by the moment that we are born, because every moment in time is reflected in the heavens. And so therefore, you can draw a map of that moment and interpret it. So I then decided to do um, the four-year a diploma with Liz Green and her school, the uh, Centre for Psychological Astrology at Regent's uh, College in London. Um, that was in about 2000. And then I, I qualified and uh, set up my own practice. And then I met Jeff Stray. Um, and he wrote uh, the book, um, Ecstasy, or what's it called? Uh, I've forgotten the name of it now. Oh, I was only really looking at it the other day as well, but it's, it's his 2012 um, yes, it's, expose. It's, yeah, that's right. Beyond 2012. Yeah, that's is, it. Is, 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 the, is the title. Now, he wanted me to look at the uh, chart for uh, the 21st of December 2012. And this got set me on quite a path. So this is about six, seven years ago now. And I looked at it and then I, I thought, yeah, this, this um, it says a lot, actually. It speaks a lot of these times that we're entering into. And then I decided to uh, write an article about it. And then for, since then, I, I've uh, done lots of talks. Uh, to various groups, not all astrologers, just mundane groups, um, alternative groups, that kind of thing. And then it set me on a path. Uh, the, there's a branch of astrology called mundane astrology, which is looking at the charts of countries and events and, and things like that. And it was, um, I found that the chart of England seems very tied in with the whole 2012 phenomenon. And that's why I center in on that. And I think that we are going to be quite a significant player in the whole of, of this process of transformation that, that we're going through. And, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't think, a coincidence that uh, when they were deciding who was going to host the Olympics, and the French were were the um, 
you know, that it's supposed to be the ones that were going to, to win. And we were uh, not considered so so uh, highly at the time. And I looked at the chart and I thought, oh, yeah, I, I think that we actually are going to be on the world stage this year. Mm, yes, yeah. well, the, <clears throat> we'll, we'll come on to the, the, the full kind of ramifications uh, for for this country, the UK, uh, Great Britain in due course. Um, yeah, but when those of us who were around at the time that the Olympic um, decision was announced, we'll remember that the, the French champagne corks were virtually halfway out of the bottles. And yeah. it, re it really did seem like a done deal. So it was quite a surprise. But as you say, uh, with some foresight and certainly hindsight, it was it made a lot of sense in, in, in that context. Mm. Um, you were saying about with regards to um, uh, birth charts, um, that each moment is unique with regards to uh, the alignment in the heavens. I mean, or perhaps I'm making that up, but is each moment, you know, as above, so below, completely unique? Each set of um, alignments, configurations, it, does it ever repeat or is it possible for that to repeat? Um, I don't think so. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, all the planets are orbiting around the sun at different speeds. Mm. So, therefore, the kind of the probability of them all um, making the an exact alignment, I would say, is so incredibly rare. I I I, I don't know, but uh, I can't imagine mm. it ever happening. Maybe once in you know millennia or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about that. Um, now, maybe this is just because uh, I'm a man, but one of the things that, that interested me when I started to look at astrology was to, to, to say, OK, we can see here statistics show us that there is a tremendous correlation between, you know, uh, transits in the heavens and types of events that yeah. we can see taking place. And, you know, and personality types and all sorts of things that we can map that suggest that something's going on. And the first thing I wanted to get into was like, what's happening here? How is this happening? Because we know that the, the moon, for example, exerts a physical influence on the earth, you know, through the tides. And it also seems to create changes within us that are well documented. I mean, in your 2012 article you referred to, uh, you, you mentioned the fact that, you know, we have uh, full moons, we have crime rates going up and asylums and hospitals reporting much more uh, disruption. So, and I know you have said that that, that you or not, no one else really understands the mechanism of how astrology works. But in the time since you first wrote that piece, which I think was in 2008, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, are we any further forward? Has, has anyone, yourself or anyone else working in the field, been able to say any, even speculation, informed speculation about how the, the mechanisms of this might be uh, functioning? Um, no, <laughs> is, is the answer. I, I, I don't think we're uh, remotely there yet, uh, because that goes into the territory of, of looking at um, the interconnectedness of the universe, mm. I, I, I believe. And um, it's almost like a system, and it's all kind of working together in harmony in some way and the I believe the ancients understood it better and the way they assign certain gods to certain planets um, is quite fascinating I, I love that aspect of astrology the myths um, because 
they they really help us in understanding our, our human dilemma, our human condition. But in terms of uh, how astrology works, yeah, I don't know. Some some people do think that there is something that is kind of beaming down, if you mm. like. A bit like the way the uh, the moon draws the tides and affects water so much on, on, on our planet. Um, in terms of the other planets, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Only through years and years and years of, of um, studying and uh, seeing and, and experience of people and their charts is that there is such a strong correlation. It, it just can't be disputed, really. Yeah, well, I, th I think one of the, and certainly in the mainstream, one of the reasons that um, astrology, just as a catch-all uh, field, uh, quite broad one, perhaps sometimes get, gets dismissed, is because, as you referred to, it seems that many ancient civilizations, and we are, after all, talking about, you know, uh, the Mayan 2012 here to some extent, they yeah. had this understanding that what was happening in the sky was significant and they were able to, to begin to follow it to, to watch it to chart it and to form an understanding of patterns and it's almost like because they did ascribe these myths and and you know gods were associated with planets that it, that's made it easy to debunk the whole thing just as oh yeah it was just the flim flam of like primitive peoples and uh, it seems that that you know even as the science moves moves forward that perception still persists um unfortunately we you know in the mainstream well it, it does but at one point in our not so uh, distant past astrology and astronomy was very much one science yes yes um but you know it's, it's the same with the, the divide between the world of science and and the world of um say the alternative world or the, or the spiritual uh, there's a great divide and I, I think that one day, uh, where both science and uh, the alternative uh, uh, crew, if you like, they will eventually reach the same point in their understanding. And it seems that um, you know things that uh, astrologers or mystics or that, those types of people have been saying for years, science is gradually, gradually, if you like, proving it or at least uh, investigating it. And, and I think as, as time goes by, especially as we advance further and further into the age of Aquarius, um, that these things, we, we will reach the, the same point at some, you know, some time in the future. Yeah, this is what this is a, a key point you've made here that, uh, that I was going to bring up later on, actually, was that, that exactly that a time when astronomy and astrology were not different. There was one thing, and we're living in a time now where art and science and spirit, spirituality and the paranormal, all the false divisions are becoming revealed. And yeah. that really the universe is interconnected and that, you know, everything is basically one thing. It's just uh, different manifestation, manifestations of the same energy, if you like to put it like that. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And it could be that, that one day science does realize that, um, you know, that the Earth is a living being in, in some way, has some level of consciousness of its own. Uh -huh. And, uh, it, you know, I, I, I really believe that all the planets 
are conscious entities in their own right. Yeah, well, that's the the idea of the universe as a thought, which is quite a mind-bending one for some people. But um, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the idea that what we're seeing out in here, down here, up there, out there, everywhere, is yeah. you know the manifestation of one. I'll say entity for want of a better word. Some people say yeah. some people say God. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I, th I think we are all part of it. Yes. We're all part of the system, if you like. Some ways, I suppose it's a bit like the Matrix. Absolutely, yeah. That's you know, sort of the system is in that sense is neither um, you know uh, good or bad. It's sort of uh, benign up to a point. It's just the system. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Now you mentioned uh, how how things moved on and really opened up in astrology with the discovery of the outer planets in our solar system. Um, mm. Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, and just perhaps you could say something about the significance of that, the, the time, you know, the, 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 yeah. obviously there's quite a span of years between those different planets being discovered, but each has had a very significant effect, so if you could say something about that, and then also what effect does it, you know, we carry on discovering more heavenly bodies, whether they're planets or moons, the potential effect there for our understanding and interpretation of astrology? Yeah, well, in ancient times, um, or certainly since the discovery of the three outer planets, uh, astrology was used much more predictively. Um, there wasn't any concept of the individual as such, so it would only be the king or the queen of a country that would have a court astrologer, because... Uh, how the king or queen fared, that is how the whole country fared. And the astrologer would pr predict certain things, um, such as Nostradamus, for instance, and um, they believed it totally. And more, and, and looking at uh, ancient texts, it would seem that uh, they did come true. Now, I think that when where we were ready to receive, um, you know, the consciousness of a new planet, then we were ready to sort of take a, a leap forward. And when uh, Uranus was discovered in 1771, that was a, a time of, of revolution. The, the late 1700s, we had the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Industrial Revolution. It was a time to sort of overthrow the old. It was a time to bring in the new, extremely idealistic. And Uranus is the idealistic sky god, the one that wants utopia. And it also uh, represents when we have a Uranus transit in our charts, it always represents that urge for individuation, for self-awareness, for self-knowledge, to... to to break away, to become authentic, our authentic selves. So it's uh, a, a very complex and interesting planet. And when that energy came into the collective, uh, I know talking like that, I don't know what other word to use other than the energy, uh, than energy. I'm, I'm not sure how it operates and whether it is just a mirror of mm. what is going on in society at the time. But... Those times, when you look back, were a huge leap forward uh, for mankind. Uranus is the uh, rules the airy 
detached sign of Aquarius. Very idealistic in, in, in the way it is. And then um, when Neptune was discovered, that, that, that is the planet which is associated with the spiritual, with the numinous, with our connection with uh, the Godhead, if you like. It's that deep longing in all of us to return back to that uh, pre-birth state, whether it be in the womb or before then, what, you know, that oneness whereby there's no hard reality, there's no suffering, we are just, there's no responsibility. Um, and at the time, so it's very much due to the illusion and fantasy. Uh, and at the time, that's when we discover photography and um, film and that kind of thing, creating illusion. And then when Pluto was discovered, in 1930, so Pluto is the dark lord of the underworld, and he rules the intense, complex sign of Scorpio, very watery sign. And when uh, during the period around that time was the rise of the Third Reich, because Pluto is about power and control, and also control through fear. More positively, it was uh, the birth of depth psychology. And if you can use the underworld as a metaphor for our unconscious, and then we can understand that if we go into uh, looking at our unconscious and shine a light on the, on the darker recesses, if you like, then, then those very complex feelings and emotions can be transformed into something that we're able to be conscious of. So it's a very, very deep and intense planet. And you can see that as they they come into the world consciousness, this this brings us on. Now, there have, of course, been a lot of uh, dwarf planets being discovered in recent years. Yes. Um, I haven't started to use them. The one, the one I use is the uh, is um, Chiron, that was discovered in the mid seventies, and the reason that is is that astrologers took it up and they realised what a powerful influence it was in somebody's chart. And in myth, Chiron is the wounded healer. And, of course, in the mid-70s, that's when we had the mushrooming of alternative therapies, you know, group therapy, all the talking therapies. It's it, it really, really mushroomed at that time it, as that energy came into our, our consciousness. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, these dwarf planets like um, Eris and Sedna and uh, the like, we don't quite, uh, even though we could, they, they've been assigned their names and therefore the myths that go with them, astrologers haven't very much, as far as I know, um, really integrated them into their work. There are some astrologers that use them, but at the moment I certainly feel that there's enough information from the known planets plus um, Chiron. Yeah, who... Whose business is it assigning names and characteristics uh -huh. or myths? 
Well, it seems to be the the people that discover them. It uh-huh. seems there's the, the scientific community, and I, and I always think that is quite phenomenal the way synchronistically they do choose their names, and then um, you know the way it works, the way then we take that on board, and and yeah, we the god becomes alive. Yes. Do you think the people who discover them are being chosen, perhaps, uh, in a in a way, in a sort of they're not so much discovering the planet as as kind of in the reverse. It's almost like there's something manifesting, and on that day they were going to discover this. And they they, they even though they might have thought that they named it and attributed something to it, then that was always going to be there. It was always going to be that way. I think so. I, I really do. I, I I think that there's always something greater at work. You know, with with, with the uh, naming of planets, because it's so synchronistic and, uh, and so powerful. Yes, exactly. Well, to borrow a um, astronomical metaphor, and, and I hope this question isn't too nebulous, but um, yeah. what could we say about? I mean, in terms of astrology, what do what does astrology or astrologers have to say, or about the rest of even the known universe? What else we can see out there? what regards you might give it, what speculation there is about it. You know, it, it, I'm just guessing my question is, is there astrology in the rest of the universe? Um, probably. Um, some astrologers do use the fixed stars, for instance, in, in, in their charts and in their interpretations. Um, so, yeah, the, the universe out there uh, certainly can be used if, if, if the planets or the stars are named and an understanding of their meaning uh, is known. So this potentially opens up, well, again, it's the same, if we, if we allow that um, the same for astronomy, many of the things affecting it will affect astrology. As you say, we, one day they may again converge. This literally opens up a whole universe because the potential out there for um, discovery from an astronomical point of view also then would lead you to say, well, there's an enormous potential for discovery from an astrological point of view. Um, so little we really know. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is a vast subject. It is a vast subject, and it has lots of different branches. Um, and as I, as you know, I, I took the psychological route um, because I, I like to use it most of all, in understanding uh, human beings and, and their different characteristics. And uh, it's just, you know, a really, really good tool for helping self-understanding. Yes, well, I think this is why so many people, um, even at the most basic level, do gravitate towards the stuff I mentioned at the start, you know, the little hundred-word, you know, your stars today in magazines or whatever because they they want to learn something about themselves yes you know maybe even something they already know but they they want to and people read these things even the daftest little things with just such a sense of wonder yeah i know it's in there somewhere isn't it and and so many of my clients when they come and i give the reading and, and they'll say gosh it's so good to have this or that confirmed Mm. but because there's often doubts about and uh, lots of people have lots of shoulds. I should be like this, or I should be like that, or I should be like him or her. And when I say, well, that's not really you, 
um, it, it's kind of uh, quite it's quite affirming for them. Yeah, I mean, I was um, probably somewhat sceptical uh, growing up about um, astrology in general, simply because yet again, the, you know, the, the 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 mainstream version of it. But I did meet someone at a pivotal point in my life who almost instantly took a great interest in in my sort of star sign. Uh, this was just something that this individual did with almost everyone, I think. You can probably relate to this. And um, I got, got into this, this sort of rundown of various things, um, characteristics and traits and all sorts of information that I thought, hmm, does that actually sound quite a lot like me? And I learned quite a lot from this person. And all I'll say is that in the intervening years, I, I, I've got no I claim, no particular interest in astrology uh, other than, you know, any more so than any other sort of 100,000 things I'm interested in. But too often I've seen people exhibiting particular characteristics, um, if that's the right language to use, that I thought this bears some uh, relation to astrology, to their astrology, their chart, their lives. And I've, st I've seen it happen too often. And this is not having an open conversation with people about astrology. They've got no idea what I'm thinking, but I just thought it's just another little box has been ticked. So... That's why I know there's something to this. And that's probably why, as I say earlier, I had that slightly male approach of trying to take it apart and understand it like you would the engine of a car. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> is something that, that I come across a lot with, with the males. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even if you just break astrology down to its uh, elements, you know, fire, earth, air and water, uh, is fascinating in its own right because uh, the the fire signs are, are they're op it's opposite to earth. Earth is to do with you know the real world. Uh, they understand about the the slow cycles of, of 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 the world. They're very good in the whole world of sensation and and being able to get things done. Their bills paid, uh, organized. They very much live in the, um, the the known world, whereas fire, being opposite, it lives in the realms of potential. It lives in the realm of myth, and they see symbol in everything. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that um, you know get very easily bored with uh, routine tasks, or you know there's an impatience there. It's quite, it's quite future oriented, fire. They're very good, uh, you know, for, for uh, looking at uh, prospects and that kind of thing. And then we've got the other pair, which is air and water, which are also opposite because air is the, the thinking types. They're, they're the ones that look at the world through rational eyes and they really want to understand it. Whereas uh, the water signs, they come from the guts or feeling realms. And so the, there's often an attraction with um, these two pairs uh, because of the fascination with the differences. But of course, it can cause a lot of problems mm -hmm. once um, you've you've established that. Because then it's sort of I think it's inherent in human nature that we want other people to behave and react the same way as ourselves. And when they don't, it, it's a great puzzlement to us. So I think that um, you know through astrology, they, this can give an enormous understanding about the differences between us all. 
even if you just look at it in terms of that. And just as a, a caveat, even though you might be a fire sign, that might not be the most dominant element in your chart. So you could be, say, a Leo, but actually be quite earthy. Or you could be a Scorpio, but be actually be quite airy and rational. It depends on, on the balance in your particular chart. Yes. And even if you look at the, the glyphs, the symbols for the, for the um, signs of the zodiac, we've got, um, and you look at the, the water signs, for instance, Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces, they're ancient crustaceans or ancient creatures, cold-blooded. They come from a very primitive place, whereas the air signs are represented by a human form, which is uh, you know, Gemini, the twins, or Aquarius, the water bearer, or even an inanimate object, Libra. And then they are what make us most human, because we have that reasoning faculty that the animals don't have. Do, do you see how it how it is? Yeah, absolutely. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have society without the air signs, because mm. they're the ones that that make rational decisions. They they you know don't just sort of leap in with an um, emotional reactions to things. They think and reason, and that's how society is made up. We couldn't have society without. Um, behaving in a, in a kind of a rational and reasoning way. So it's reflected in, in the, the glyphs, even. You know, actually, you're speaking of opposites, um, kind of brings to mind the idea that, you know, if one of the central themes of our time is thinking about, in universal terms, is thinking about uh, unity, then possibly only second to that is, is duality uh, that, we, that we see all around us in everything. Well, that, that is true, that is true. But I think that when there's something that doesn't flow, that's where we get the most growth, if you understand what I mean. Mm. So it's, it's like um, in society, and uh, you know, I presume we're going to go on to speak about 2012, but yes. the aspects. But in society, that's when we tend to get the biggest leaps forward is when we've got very challenging aspects and and between the planets. Whereas when it's a time uh, of harmony, or if you meet somebody and their chart is very harmonious, they often like the easy life because they're not challenged so much. And you know, you meet people and they're very, more than satisfied to to live a very very simple life. You know, very routine orientated very safe, very secure, and they don't like to step out of that. But people that have got much more challenging charts, often, you know, starting with a difficult childhood and, and issues that they've had to, painful issues that they've had to overcome in their lives, and they find that they have lots of challenges in their life, but then they're often quite adventurous types. So they, they often are the ones that, that stand up you know, to bring humanity on, the Promethean types, if you like. Yes, yes. No, well, we virtually had uh, wound ourselves around to the subject of 2012, actually. Uh, one just small uh, by point I wanted to, to, to put before you was the idea that, and this goes back to the days of 
uh, when astrology and astronomy weren't separate disciplines in the days of the royal or court astrologer. And we think that that's all long behind us. But when you go looking, uh, you find out that there's a lot of people in great positions of power and influence in this world who virtually do not take a step outside their front door <laughs> or do anything of import or significance without consulting an astrologer. It's just not widely reported. Well, um, look at uh, Ronald and Nancy Reagan, for instance. It, it was um, claimed that they didn't do any. They didn't do any public uh, affairs or meetings with, without consulting their astrologer. So mm -hmm. I think the powers that be do have a, an understanding, or certainly, you know, uh, well, when you think of, of the whole occult world, yes, I think it is used. I think it is used. Mm. Um, okay, regarding the um, astrology for 2012, um, I see you first started looking at this quite some time ago. Um, so perhaps you could just summarize uh, the situation and perhaps say uh, what has changed or what has perhaps unfolded or come to your notice in the time that you first started looking at this uh, up until now when we are in the midst of 2012 itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, when uh, I first started to uh, look at it, um, you know, the students, for instance, um, they seemed very that uh, uh, they didn't seem the generation to be standing up and and protesting or anything like that. That they they seemed very amenable to authority and you know that they, they, they didn't seem to be any sense that something was going to come from from them, which is how it's always been in the past, you know, with student uprisings and that kind of thing. So I, I talk about uh, these times um, last year and this year, and, and in a way, and I was thinking, gosh, well, it does seem like a long shot because it seemed so alien to what was going on um, when I was first looking at this in 2006. Um, and it's the same with that revolutionary spirit as well, because we just weren't in those times. And uh, I also spoke of, um, you know, the, the changes that we would see in our institutions uh, from 2008, when Pluto moves into the earthy sign of Capricorn. And uh, when Pluto is the, is the planet of death, transformation and rebirth, and when it goes through a sign, all the things that that sign rules, that's when they come up uh, into focus to be changed. Uh, and it's usually very, very difficult during the, the death phase, if you like. And, and a lot of astrologers were, were really stunned at the how quick it all started to manifest. And I think that everything is moving at such a pace now. We're almost forgetting that that we're in it, and we have been for a few years already. Um, and some people say, "Oh, well, you know, there's not that much going on." But it, it's almost because we're so caught up in the maelstrom of it. But you just have to turn on the news every day to see what is going on. And it's not just in this country; it's absolutely global. It's going on around the world. And while we're in it, it's um, you know it's difficult to to keep our heads above water to to get that bird's eye view of what is happening. But I've certainly noticed that uh, yeah, the things that I was talking about 
six years ago are manifesting, um, which is, you know, exciting on the one hand, but, uh, yeah, sort of disturbing on, on another level as well. Yeah, it's almost a bit like sort of, um, oh, I don't know. Oh, I met John Lennon once. You think he'd be taller. You know, it's like, I lived through 2012. You think it'd be more dramatic. <laughs> and then, yeah. as you say, you look out the window, you look on TV, um, and it's there's there's upheaval, change, some of it positive, a lot of it negative. There's, there's mm-hmm. destruction, violence. I mean, it's unprecedented scale, short of, you know, world wars. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's almost like we're having a slow motion world war and a, and a slow motion financial collapse and all manner of upheaval. And as you say, it's because we sometimes kind of preconceived ideas about what something's going to be like, especially if you went back to the 1980s and read something about 2012, what might be set out there would be almost science fiction, fantastical in nature uh, by comparison to what's happening now. But when you're right in the middle of something, you know, that, that you're too close to it. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. It's it's. Uh, it, I think that there's certainly a collective anxiety going on at the moment because um, Capricorn rules the establishment. It rules governments. It rules the real world. It's the last of the Earth signs, so it's very much to do with the Earth. You know, the climate. Um, things like volcanoes and, and uh, earthquakes, that, that sort of thing. It's also to do with uh, all the establishment and institutions. So we've, we're seeing this breaking down. And the thing about uh, Capricorn, which is ruled by the planet Saturn, he's the, he's the strict father of the zodiac, if you like. He's the one that, that um, sets our boundaries. He's the one that sort of makes us secure through through our sort of monetary system. So to have that feeling that, that things are collapsing, because a lot of us project onto authority or onto these institutions a far, you know, a, a parental um, image. You know, there, there was a time not that long ago where people would uh, think of their, you know, the, the bank manager as somebody that they could really trust, or their priest, somebody they could really trust, or government, and it's all collapsing. And it's incredibly anxiety-provoking for people. This is unprecedented in, in recent times. And how do we deal with that? So there's, I think there's sort of this, uh, this denial going on for some people, or this um, wanting reassurance, or wanting to still believe, but as more and more is being exposed, the corruption, um, it's, it's almost like Pluto is ruthless when it goes through a sign. Everything comes up, and all, all the uh, established things that we've, we've known for eons are coming up, and they're being destroyed, but things don't get destroyed if they're working. And if they're functioning mm. well, and they're not, it's exposing the fact that they're not. But this is very, very disturbing for people. Well, you know, we were invited for a long time to take a look in the mirror. And now everywhere we turn, it's just, you know, a hall of mirrors. And I feel it's like we're children 
in the universe and we're being invited to to grow up and to like take responsibility yeah and in doing you know as part of doing this we're as i say we're being shown the dark side of what we can be what we can create what we can destroy and um invited to transcend that and i think ultimately um a lot of the observers of 2012 uh, whether they're interpreting you know um myths and stories from the past and projections into the future or doing their own original work and all the many disciplines and approaches that are being brought to bear on this um many of them are speaking of this you know ultimately as a positive process and also significantly and this will nexus in with what you were saying about people n not perhaps thinking anything's happening is that the changes around 2012 are predominantly going to be gradual and not sudden so we may see some world events happen relatively suddenly but this is part of a bigger process that, that could take many many years I, I believe so uh, I, I think we're certainly already in it and um, I think things really started to crank up in 2008 uh, with the whole financial thing and then we have the MPs expenses scandals um, you know all the, the church scandals all, all the things that, that uh, were not working they're not right they need to be changed but I agree with you in terms of um, us needing to grow up, take responsibility, because it's moving away from that childlike state. Um, and, and that, for me, calls to mind the whole Pluto myth when um, Demeter and her daughter Persephone uh, were living in bliss and harmony and everything was bountiful and there was no death, no suffering. And Persephone was totally innocent of anything bad or horrible. And then one day Pluto comes up out of the underworld, abducts Persephone, drags her into his kingdom and rapes her, takes away her innocence. And I think there's... There's something about that. And when we experience a Pluto transit, it can feel like our innocence is being taken away. And, and a really good example of this was when uh, America went through its 9-11 because Pluto was going over the ascendant of America's chart. It was 12 degrees Sagittarius. And, and it, was, it was a time when America could have looked at its own foreign policy and how it was operating in the world, a lot of soul-searching, but it was almost like, you know, that sort of teenager, um, gung-ho kind of attitude. And so they saw Pluto as the destroyer. And they, that attack that they had, they had never ever had anything like that happen to them before in mm. their history so so for them it was like their innocence being taken away it was a massive wake-up call i think it's extremely unfortunate that um they used the other side of pluto which is control through fear and that has like very quickly spread around the world with um you know britain taking on uh, the whole control thing to the nth degree um but at the moment, the planet Uranus is in a very, very challenging aspect with Pluto and will be for the next three years. And Pluto, uh, Uranus is the rebel. 
he's the one that wants freedom. He's the one, you know, as I described earlier, he, he wants to create something new and overthrow the, the old works, often very suddenly, very shockingly. So these two are kind of sparring up and we can we can see it all over so so that um when uranus moved into the more warlike uh, sign of aries last march um a year ago you know with then we started to to have all the uh, uh middle eastern uprisings mm. it was it was again you know incredible the way that uh, that suddenly came into into being um, and that was against all the sort of uh, despots that have been in power for 40-odd years being toppled. So we've got this revolutionary force on the one hand, and on the other, we've got those controlling forces that want to control everything through fear. It's like the Battle of the Titans going on. Mm. and. Even people are experiencing it in their own lives. Anybody that's got um, a personal planet or the sun and moon in the early degrees of the cardinal signs, so that's Aries, Cancer, Libra and Capricorn, will be experiencing what's going on on the world stage in their own lives. Yes, well, ultimately... It can be a transformative event for the individual, uh, as well as the the nation, the planet. You know, the bigger system. Um, at the end of the day, um, talking about the Plutonian control through fear. Uh, of course, we're now in 2012. Uh, you and I are speaking today in England. Uh, the Olympic Games are about to begin. 2012. We spoke about that earlier, and the this just seemed to be made. It was fortuitous. It was meant to happen in a way. And we see that coming together here, 2012, the Games, all eyes on England, and also a manifestation of this control grid, of this excessive need to clamp everything down and and, uh, and keep a lid on things. And, uh, well, you know, how what the energy will be like um, in this country, certainly uh, during the Olympics when, when all eyes are on the UK, well, we're about to find out. Yeah, indeed. It, it's it's just been quite incredible. I, I don't particularly like the energy of what's surrounding the, the whole Olympics. Uh, and of course, in the in the conspiracy world, there, there is so much being doom-mongering about what is going to occur. Uh, I looked at the charts of the opening ceremony and I did a chart for the closing ceremony. They haven't released the exact time yet um, of the closing ceremony. I'm, I'm not sure why. But um, the opening ceremony chart looks fairly benign. Um, but the closing ceremony chart is it has more tension in it. But you have to be careful with that a little bit. Because, for instance, when we had the Jubilee um, and... You know, that weekend we had an incredibly difficult, tension-filled um, aspect with, with, the, with the full moon squaring Mars. Now, that was very, very similar to the aspect that we had with the 7-7 bombings. Now, the thing with um, Mars is that it's energy. It's, it's that masculine drive. It requ requires action. 
it's it's very difficult to sort of contain the energy, that Martian energy. And so I was thinking when we had the 7-7 bombings, there wasn't that much going on at the time. Whereas if you look at the um, Diamond Jubilee, there was an incredible amount of energy put into, you know, pulling off that, the, you know, the whole celebrations and everything. And thankfully, in a way, um, that dissipated that mass energy. I'm sure around the world, though, it would have uh, manifested much more violently and that kind of thing. But for this country, at least, that energy was dissipated. And the same thing could be for the uh, chart of the closing ceremony, that even though there's tension in it, because there's so much going on, it's almost like that energy has to be channeled somehow. So that's why predictive astrology is incredibly difficult because we don't know how something is going to manifest. We, we can have, uh, we can interpret Mars. Yes, it can be angry, violent, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, it, you know, it's, it's kind of warlike in a way. Um, but if that energy is channeled positively, then uh, it's not going to come out in a negative way. So we, we, we will have to see on that one. I don't know. I know a lot of people are wanting me to sort of uh, say exactly what's going to happen. I don't know. And no, that's it, the truth. It, I don't know. No, it doesn't work like that, of course. And it uh, reminds us of the misinterpretations around other systems such as the tarot or runes uh, and people looking for um, direct correlations between symbolism or characteristics and trying to tie that into specific people events places and it's, it's just not that that simplistic um, regarding um, the changes uh, surrounding 2012 you know occurring before it and indeed afterwards and them being uh, gradual for the most part in nature not sudden uh, nevertheless, we have the the headline date, of course, the and uh, December twenty first, which is going to be a Friday. And um, I call the uh, two thousand and twelve dollar question is, uh, what is astrology um, saying, or your reading of uh, things telling us about that particular time, and uh, putting in place all the caveats that you've just yourself mentioned. I'm just interested to get your take on that. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I really like to look at the chart, which uh, I do for the 21st of December 2012, um, for London. And I, I choose London because, uh, obviously, I live here and so curious to know what's, what's uh, going on for us in this country. Um, but also then, through looking at that, it... it it made me realise that that actually uh, there's a reason why I think that we are going to be on the world stage um, uh, this year, and, we, and the fact that we've got the Olympics and everything, because um, we have a, a very unique geology, the most unique geology in, in the world. We have uh, you know huge continents, and they have much more of a mono. Geology, and I think with um, different rocks, we have different earth energies, and I think earth energies really do um, influence its people. 
And uh, for those of you who don't know, countries have charts as, as, as well as people. And um, we live in a Capricorn country. We, uh, you know, that's why uh, a country's personalities are so different. That's why we're so different to, say, the Italians or the Germans. Uh, we have our own unique personality. So we're, we're a Capricorn country, which makes us quite traditional, quite stoic. Um, we like, uh, you know, sort of rules, regulations, our monarchy, um, that kind of thing. It's very stiff upper lip. Um, like to be seen to be doing the right thing, quite uh, old-fashioned in lots of ways. Um, and it has Aries rising, which is, uh, a, you know, the sign much more to do. It's a go-getting kind of sign. Aries likes a conquest. It, it likes a challenge. And, you know, that combination of the, of the two is, is very significant for, for its people. Now... In the chart of 2012, Pluto, the planet of death and transformation uh, and power and control, is going over the mid-heaven of England's chart and, and its sun. And the mid-heaven is the point in the chart to do with um, our public standing. It's, it's where we are on the world stage. And just to give an example of, of what can happen when uh, Pluto goes over a person's son, for instance, uh, when Pluto went over Margaret Thatcher's son, that's when she came to power. Now, um, to have that going over our sun and our mid-heaven means that all the world's eyes are going to be on us, and it's an opportunity, the same as it was for America when they had Pluto going over their ascendant. It's an opportunity for us to step into our power and to use it for the good of all in a conscious way. Because when we're not conscious with Pluto energy, then it operates through fear. Fear, and when we have fear, we want to control. So there's that going on at the same time. Um, we have uh, Neptune, the planet of... Um, selfless service it rules pisces the watery sign of pisces that is on the ascendant which is a you know a very powerful and sensitive spot on the chart and it is with the with the planetoid chiron now i've i've met a lot of people that have huge expectations for 2012 you know they really are expecting mm a sudden shift into the fifth dimension. There really, and I know one guy is an attorney, so it's not, you know, a wacko or anything like that, but he, he phoned me up and he wanted me to do his chart for the, for the 21st of December. Um, and he said, well, make it my death chart, because he believed that um, he was going to jump off Bell Rock in America and that he was going to go through a portal into uh, another dimension uh, well you know and it's it's like the expects a lot of the expectations that people have got sort of made me realize that that neptune chiron together like that speaks of you know sort of collective disappointment collective disillusionment because 
what is going to happen to all those people that have got such a massive expectation? Oh, this is a huge question. Uh, I've, I've d discussed and debated with other people is the immediate aftermath of, you know, when everyone wakes up, assume, again, assuming we do, I'm kind of in the let's wait and see what happens camp, you know, because, again, we don't know. We can believe what we like, but ultimately we either know something or we don't know it. It doesn't matter what we believe. But what will then happen to people who really have invested so much, you know, genuine, spiritual, you know, well-meaning people who yeah. may yet be proven right in some way, but what happens to their their world, their reality? Where do they go from then? Does it all just kind of fade away and disintegrate? Um, do, do we then build towards some next future date? I think Isaac Newton had 2060 in part of some of his writings. Uh, people probably don't know Isaac Newton as a student of the sort of esoteric that he was. Do, do, do we then do what past civilizations and societies have done and start projecting towards another future date that we can all build towards? Yeah, it's, it's a really big question. There'd be some, there'd be, certainly be some personal fallout there. Yes, yes, I, I really do think that. I mean, um, spec all you can do with astrology is kind of speculate and, and look at what's happened in, in the past, but so many people are, are you know, putting a lot, a lot on 2012 um, as being an incredibly auspicious time. There is a, a very interesting aspect in, in the chart called Yod or Finger of God, and it is very mm. fated. So we've got um, the planet Jupiter, the planet to do with expansion and optimism and exaggeration, if you like. And it's in, it's in the sign of Gemini, which rules the mind. It rules knowledge. So if there was to be you know, an, an expansion of, of our consciousness, that would certainly would be, uh, you know, a, a, a very apt placement for, for Jupiter. And the two planets that are also involved in that configuration are Saturn, giving it a sense of reality and gravitas, and Pluto, which is to do with transformation. And, th and they're both, those two heavyweights are channeling that energy right down through to Jupiter at the apex of, of this triangle. Um, so, yeah, if, if there was to be any kind of shifting consciousness, uh, that, that certainly would be quite apt. But the thing about uh, astrology is that it can, uh, what can happen is that the, the meanings come into focus. It's almost like putting on a pair of glasses with, with a coloured lens which represents a different aspect. And so, for instance, with Uranus square Pluto at the moment, and uh, they've been in orb certainly over the last year, and I thought it was quite fascinating when Uranus moved into Aries um, and Fukushima happened. There was so much talk about uranium and plutonium. Mm, yes. And again with uh, the Olympic Games, because this aspect's going on for three years, but I think we're going to hear an awful lot in the news about nuclear uh, explosions and that kind of thing, or nuclear power, because it's suddenly in our consciousness, whether something manifests or not, is what I'm trying to say. Like yeah. some people talk about, oh, you know, there's going to be a nuclear bomb at the Olympics that kind of thing. It's almost like uh, we're very, very aware of the energies of Uranus and Pluto at the moment. 
and and so therefore it's in our it's on our consciousness we're going to talk about it it's going to be in the media whether it manifests or not it's the same with um uh, the fact that uh, neptune has returned back to its own sign after 165 years and when a planet's in its own sign it's very very powerful so if we look back 165 years ago, uh, there was a huge um, resurgence in spirituality. We even, you know, the, there was uh, a lot of people having uh, parlor seances. There was spirit photography. There was a, you know, real movement there. So what I was thinking is that, you know, over the next 14 years, because uh, Neptune is going to be in Pisces the next 14 years is that there is going to be this sort of resurgence in the spiritual, in a bigger picture, in, because I think it's a human condition to seek redemption. And I think that um, it's going to sort of counteract the very hard stuff, you know, all, all the hard reality and, that's going on. I think it's going to give us uh, deep compassion and also, maybe, um, it can influence us more in terms of, of uh, you know, seeing the world through different lenses. I don't think it's going to be, it's like when the, when the cycles go round, it's like a spiral. So we return back to a similar time, but it's different. It's moved on. Yes. I think the biggest move <clears throat> is um, all the technology that we've got. Yeah, I've heard it described as an upward spiral, uh, which fits in exactly with what you describe. You know, it's, uh, it comes round and it reaches the same point, but it's at an elevated level. Yes, yes. And uh, the fact that um, Neptune has been through uh, Aquarius and Aquarius rules new technology. It's uh, an air sign, very rational, very logical, very much to do with technology. And Neptune is where we all seek to be one. And so over the last 14 years, we've, we've seen the incredible um, uh, mushrooming of, of mobile phone, internet, all that, so we can be anywhere and still feel connected on a mind level. Now, yes. now that uh, Neptune's gone into Pisces, that has a completely different feel to it. And I suppose it's my fantasy in a way that we won't have to rely on modern technology, that we will develop more telepathy or our psychic abilities. And I think there'll be a lot more investigations in, in, in those realms um, over the next 14 years or so. And it may well be that in, in that particular respect that we move back towards something that we have lost. I read something fascinating and sadly can't remember exactly where, but about um, how a time traveler to ancient Egypt might have been surprised by how quiet it was because people weren't rushing about all over the place and they weren't babbling at each other. They were quite often sitting still and they could communicate, um, but with telepathy. And uh, it, it was just, it was a fascinating, it really conjured up in my mind a scene that was uh, so completely different. And again, we sort of tend to ascribe um, characteristics onto peoples of the past uh, who, whom we've got no direct experience of that they must have been very much like us 
Mm, that's really fascinating, actually. Yeah, really fascinating. Yeah, I'm just sorry at uh, say that my uh, just too many things are trying to keep into my head. Some of them seem to like fall out sometimes. But I think there's <laughs> such a, a deep-seated uh, dissatisfaction with what you said, the hard reality stuff, that it's not serving us. And we realize that it's not really us. Um, and that, it, in fact, it's now not only not serving us, it's actually, you know, threatening to destroy us. And we have entities in the world now, such as um, governments and corporations that are completely inhumane. And by that, I don't just mean cruel, but there's no one driving. It's not people behind it, even though it is. It's not individuals. These have taken on a psychopathic uh, life of their own and they're destroying themselves and us at the same time. So I think this need we have to transcend all of that inevitably gives rise to people wanting some kind of deliverance, some kind of transformative event, you know, preferably as quick as possible, thank you very much, so that we can move beyond this. But I think that tendency, you know, inherent in it is still something positive that we can turn around and use, particularly if 2012 turns out to be, for some people, a disappointment that we mustn't lose focus on that, you know, we, we need to take ourselves on a path to a better place and we must keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and to bear in mind that, you know, the old adage, no pain, no gain, I, I'm afraid um, that's the way it is. And, and that's when we've had our greatest leaps forward is through difficult times and through challenges um, to, to get somewhere. I mean, the, the uranus Pluto cycle is also associated with um, the, the slavery. It's uh, anything that has been repressed and uh, dis dishonoured. Um, it's now an opportunity to to you know move through that to to a better time, and that's why it's it's linked to feminism and um, you know for for women as well, the suffragettes and that kind of thing. Well, you know, they wouldn't have, have got the vote. They wouldn't have moved forward just by sort of sitting around, you know, thinking love and light. They had to act. And that's the thing, that we have to, we do have to act. We do have to take responsibility. I don't think we're suddenly going to be saved. I think that um, it comes through quite a lot of hard work, actually mainly to do with, with consciousness and to be mindful of our actions and what we create, this world that we're creating. And unfortunately, our leaders do our mouthpieces for the collective. Yes. Well, so it, that, that gives us you know, an idea of the level of the nation's consciousness. Yeah, well, it's, it may all be written in the stars and some of us may be able to read it but we have to remember that we're also writing the script of our lives of our existence um at the end of the day and uh you know when we realize that then it's it really is our destiny is just that it's ours yeah well i mean that's the optimistic side is is that uh, with the uranus pluto cycle is that that we do we do it does give us opportunities to break out and to become more conscious and the more conscious we, we become the more choices we have rather than acting blindly or coming from that place of, of instinct we we can sort of rationalize things we we can we can uh, you know make rational decisions about how to be 
rather than, than just reacting. Yes, and rational and intuitive as well. You know, there's sort of a partnership there for that what, what we can what we can work out and also what we know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. It's not one above the other at all. It's just, it, it, it is trusting our instincts you know, becoming very, very uh, as conscious as we can individually so that then that can ripple out. I think that, that um, I, I'm very saddened by the dumbing down that, that we have in society. I think that's a terrible shame. I mean, uh, where is the sort of the aspiration, the aspirational side of, of humanity that wants to, to bring us forward, you know, to become greater than what we are? those Promethean spirits. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a, a huge problem, a huge problem. I think we live in quite a sick society in lots of ways, and it needs to change. It really needs to change. And I'm hoping that um, uh, what, what is interesting is with the, with the planetary aspects at the moment is because uh, Pluto is going through the very earthy, mundane sign of Capricorn, that people are being forced to change because you get the kind of the, the more new age or alternative types that might think about, um, you know, self-development and growth and, and all that. But, but there are an awful lot of the population that don't operate like that. They're very much in the real world. And so through the uh, breaking down of the establishment of the financial institutions and things like that, they are being forced to change their lives uh, because of, of, of physical hardship in lots of ways um, with the austerity measures and that kind of thing. So it's like every level of society um, is being given an opportunity and usually it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one because we don't change unless things become too uncomfortable. And that's, I believe, is what's going on at the moment. And certainly for the forthcoming uh, future, we're going to see a lot more um, of that kind of thing going on. You know, the breaking down um, so that something new can come in its place. And disillusionment plays a big part in that, I think. Yes, but ultimately, you know, this is a positive point, um, I think, which to wind up for today is that, you know, as you say, all worthwhile transformation has its difficult aspects and it's something that needs to happen. We sh shouldn't stick with the, the familiar that's 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 killing us and it's broken just because it's familiar. So and I've got to ask you, actually, um, uh, in closing, if you've got any, got any plans for December 21st. Uh, <laughs> um probably go down to somewhere like Avebury or mm. along with, you know, 10,000 other people or, yeah, or, or maybe even somebody somewhere locally that's significant here. I haven't actually, you know, sort of honed in on exactly where yet. Yeah, How so about you? I, I don't know yet. I kind of, uh, not, not really not sure. I'm not making any plans. I think I will actually just wait and see what happens. I right. think if, if anything is going to come along, uh, anything in particular, then I'll become aware of it when I become aware of it. Um, I know there's a lot of people making a beeline for um, 
Central and South American sites and what have you. I did hear today rather disturbing news that um, in Mexico uh, that the government has actually prevented any of the, the Mayan um, elders, the Mayan groups from holding any ceremonies on December the 21st in their own um, temples. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't. I, I haven't had a chance to look into this yet. I was just had from a reliable source. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, if so that would be a potentially uh, well, somewhat disturbing. I have to say, why, you know, why would they do that? What difference would it make? But um, so I think as far as yeah, December twenty first goes, let's just um, let's just get the first cup of coffee in the morning out of the way, and <laughs> see what happens at eleven minutes past eleven. And if we're all still living and breathing, then we'll take the rest of the day as it comes. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of at least tune in, and maybe, you know, so yeah, tune into into what's going on, and um, just from the pure fact that so many other people, I, I, you know, it's quite nice to be doing something collectively, and hopefully, you know, sort of giving out something positive as well. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a very interesting 24 hours because all sorts of people. For all sorts of reasons are going to have a more, much more intense focus on things that they wouldn't otherwise focus on so that's got to have some sort of effect even if it's not immediately apparent in any way yeah 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 absolutely absolutely but i i mean personally i i just think it's such a gradual thing and i think we're already in it and it's building and as things are breaking down um then there's more and more awareness of, oh, right, okay, okay, so what are we going to do to replace these systems that aren't working? Yes. Um, and even with the, with the euro, I, I, I noticed that um, the, the birth chart, doing the birth chart of the euro, that Pluto is going to go over its sun next year and i think that could well be the death of the of the euro oh well don't mess with my pet subject is economics don't even get me started on the astrology the astrology of money and then just another entire show in itself i think <laughs> but um just to, to wrap up then for today um helen perhaps you'd like to give folks your website uh tell them about any work that you have out there that you'd like to tell them about maybe you've got some events coming up just whatever you want to share hmm. Okay, well, my website is astrologicalinsights.co.uk and um, hopefully I'm just going to uh, be able to do a blog on there. So if I've got any talks uh, coming up, I can put them on there. And uh, if you would like a personal reading, please do get in touch. Uh, my email address is, is on the website and I'd be more than happy to give you a reading. Excellent. Well, Helen Sewell, thank you very, very much for joining us today on LegalizeFreedom.com. Okay, thank you, Greg. Well, that's it for this time. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's discussion. Once again, Helen's website is astrologicalinsights.co.uk. Until next time, I'm Greg Moffat, and you've been listening to LegalizeFreedom.com.